right, thank you, worship team. And apologize for the technical difficulties. We are uh, still trying to get it figured out. In the meantime, I'll use the handheld mic. Well, our scripture this morning comes from Ephesians chapter 5, and it reads this way. Be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, be subject to your husbands as you are to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, just as Christ is the head of the church, the body of which he is the Savior. Just as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, in order to make her holy by cleansing her with the washing of water by the word, so as to present the church to himself in splendor, without a spot or wrinkle or blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as they do their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hates his own body, but he nourishes it and tenderly cares for it, just as Christ does for the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a great mystery, and I'm applying it to Christ and the church. Each of you, however, should love his wife as himself, and a wife should respect her husband. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. Well, good morning, everyone. And happy Mother's Day again to uh, all you moms out there and to all of you women. You know, today is a day that we get to celebrate this great thing that God has done for us by making us distinct from one another, by making us male and female, and by glorifying himself by showing his image in both male and female. So today isn't just a day to celebrate moms. It's a day to celebrate spiritual moms and adoptive mothers and mothers who are still waiting for a child and mothers who have lost a child, but also all women, because God has given you his image and you reflect his glory. And we together as men and women reflect the glory of God. So happy Mother's Day to you. I'm very glad that you're here. My name is Eric. I'm one of the pastors here. If you're joining us online, thank you for joining us this morning. Well, today we are continuing uh, our sermon series called Lord of All, and we are exploring the ways that Jesus is Lord of our lives and Lord of everything. And the way that we're going about this is we're using uh, this little chart that I put together, and there are six areas in our lives that I think are probably the biggest uh, areas that we deal with, the biggest spheres of influence that we have to engage in, and really there are four that every single person would say is a pretty high stress for them. Would some, be something that they think about a lot, that they dwell on a lot, cause a lot of their worries and concerns. And those four things are gonna be family, health, work, and finances. I think most people, pretty much every person, has some sort of concern or they spend a lot of time thinking about those four areas, family, health, finances, and work. I've added two more that I think that we kind of miss sometimes in our society. And, you know, that's going to be church and the neighborhood. Because I don't think we spend enough time talking about how to be a good neighbor and how to actually care for the people who live next door to us, uh, let alone people who live down the street or across town. And the reason that we're going about this this way is because there's, right now, there is a lot of money spent, a lot of time spent a lot of man hours put into this idea of self-help and self-improvement. It's a huge business right now. 
And if you go to the bookstore or if you look up podcasts, majority of them are going to be self-help and self-improvement. We have a society that is longing for and looking for ways to make themselves better. My opinion is that I think a lot of uh, self-help works are using people's desperation to make money. I'm a little bit weary of self-help. But what we do find in scriptures, we find a different way to approach life. A way that isn't through this striving of self-improvement that if I just have the right book or do the right you know, daily planner that things are gonna work out for me. It's not, the, the scriptures never give us that. Instead, the scriptures paint a picture of a life that is fully submitted to God and his will. And what we find is that we are transformed because of the work of Jesus in every one of these areas. So it's not so much that we can go into the Bible and we can find the six steps for making our finances better because it's not there in the Bible. But what we can do is we can look into Scripture, we can see what God has said about finances, and in turn, we will have transformed finances. Same thing with being a parent. There is no 12-step guide to being a better parent. But as we read the scriptures and we're filled with the Holy Spirit, what we find is that we are actually transformed. So it's not so much that we need to worry about being better as we need to worry about being transformed. We don't need to be better parents. We need to be transformed parents. We don't need to be better husbands and wives. We need to be transformed husbands and wives. It's not enough for us to be better. We actually have to be completely uprooted, and Jesus has to fill us with his Holy Spirit to make us new creatures. And so we're looking at these six areas and exploring transformation in these six areas and how Jesus is Lord of every single one of these areas. And today, because it's Mother's Day, we're looking at families. This is a good time for us to examine families. And we're looking at this passage in Ephesians chapter 5. And as you heard me read it, there were some things that might have piqued your interest or maybe made you a little bit offended or maybe you were like, well, where are we doing with this? Why are we going with this? This passage has caused a lot of thought and a lot of conversation, a lot of debate and a lot of arguments about what exactly is going on here. Because Paul here begins to deal with families. And this is what he says, beginning in verse 21 of chapter 5, be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. So we're jumping into this letter to the Ephesians in the fifth chapter. And Paul, when he writes his letters in the New Testament, almost all of his letters have the same format. The first half of it is this very deep theological, like, treatise. Like, he, like, it's like a textbook almost every single time. He explores the nature of God, the goodness of God, the work of Jesus Christ, the work of the Holy Spirit. And the first half of his letters are always these deep, profound, amazing works of theology. The second half of his letters are almost entirely practical. And as you get through about halfway through his letters, you begin to see these words, therefore, a lot. Therefore, do this. Christ did this, therefore, do this. God did that, therefore, do that. The Holy Spirit has done this, so therefore, walk in this way. And in Ephesians chapter 5, we jump into the middle of this second half of the letter where he is giving us wisdom and he's giving us some practical guidelines for how to live as a Christian. And right before this passage in chapter five, he's dealing with the church. And so he's talking about how, he, how we're called to 
love one another and serve one another, to worship together, uh, to, to preach the word together. And then he moves on to families. And this phrase right here in verse 21 is the transition. It's kind of the linchpin that connects the church and the family. And he says this, be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. And that word subject, that's uh, actually a really good translation of the word that's in the Greek. And it means to submit. Like that's kind of how we would talk about being subject to somebody. It means to submit or to come underneath or to serve in somehow, to relinquish some authority and to give over something and do what somebody else says. That's really what that word subject means in its most plain sense. So he says, as he begins to talk about families, be subject, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then the rest of this passage that we're going to look at is how husbands and wives, and by extension, the whole family, can be subject to and submit to one another. And so Paul continues, and I'm going to break this down a little bit differently. We're actually going to look at the wives' roles and the man's roles in short. So they're going to be a little condensed. So how do we submit to one another? Verses 23 through 23, which is this top section here, is to wives. Wives, be subject to your husbands as you are to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, just as Christ is the church, the body of which he is the Savior. And then if you go down to verse 25, he begins to talk to the men. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now there's a lot more that he says about men that we're going to get to here in a little bit. But so we start with these two very basic kind of introduction passages. Wives, as you are subject to one another, wives, submit to your husbands, for he is the head of your household, and husbands, love your wives. Now, as we read this, I know what's happening. I know what you're thinking. Because those first two verses up there, they make us a little prickly, right? Wait a second. Wives, submit to your husbands, because he's the head over you. So that makes you, might make you a little prickly. It makes me a little prickly, right, when I hear that. Because, whoa, I mean, we live in a society, we live in a culture that values equality and that values that there's no real distinction between persons. So I understand that's our cultural value. And you know what? In many ways, I value that too. I value equality. And I value us being on the same playing field. And so when we read this passage, we're like, whoa, okay. Wives, submit to your husband. It makes us a little, of course, all the guys are like, yeah. Yeah, you hear that? I saw, I saw the elbow go or the, the pat on the shoulder about that, right? Wives, submit to your husband. So this makes us uncomfortable. It makes us a little prickly. I think by the time we get to the end of this passage, as we explore what this passage is saying, I think it'll make us less prickly. Because if we see it in the context of what's going on in the rest of the passage, it makes more sense to us. And I think that it actually fits a little bit better in where we might feel comfortable. So here's what I'm going to say about this for right now. When Paul writes this letter, as all scripture, scripture is eternal truth given to us in a time-bound format. When Paul wrote the letter to Ephesians, he was writing as a particular person to particular people in a particular time and place. He was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to write this letter, and it holds eternal truth for us. Okay, that's the, that's the groundwork, okay? The Bible is the word of God given to us right now. It speaks truth to us 
in all times and all places, but the letters themselves, we have to understand where they're coming from. When Paul wrote this letter to the Ephesians, the Greek world that he lived in was extremely, extremely hierarchical, like ultra patriarchal. It was, there was no upward mobility available, that there was absolutely no way that you could go from one level of society to the next. You were stuck where you were. And women were given no authority. They had no power. They were completely and utterly under the authority of either their father or after they got married to their husbands. So Paul writing this to the Ephesian church, he's writing it to a group of people who the wives already have nothing. They're already subject to their husband. This isn't a surprise when they hear this. This isn't shocking to them. They already have to be subject to their husband. And so what Paul is saying here is, hey, you're subject to your husband already, so you are subject. Be subject to your husband as to the Lord. This is, where, this is where society is right now. This is where culture is right now. Accept it. And if you're going to live in this society, this is how you can do it. Be subject to your husband as you are to the Lord. Revere and honor and uplift. We'll talk about that later. So it would not be a surprise to the readers to hear this. And there are some times in Scripture where we are told by Jesus or Paul an ideal that God has in the future. Sometimes Paul uses the current state to explore how to best live right now. I think that's what hap what's happening with the wives, and this is why. The words that he says to the wives in the Ephesians church are this. I don't expect you to read this. We're not going to read it all right now. I just want you to look at how many words there are. In the Greek, Paul writes 40 words to the wives of the Ephesian church. 40. It comprises of, in our Bibles, three verses of text to the wives. It basically says, be subject to your husband as to the Lord. The Lord is the head over all of us. Having a head, having somebody above you is not a terrible thing, right? The Lord is above us. Your husband is head over you in the situation you are right now. So be subject to him as a Lord. Then he begins to talk to the men. And this is what he has to say to the men. He writes 40, 40 words to the women, and he writes 115 words to the men. This passage in Ephesians 5 is not about the ladies. And I understand the irony that it's Mother's Day and we're reading a passage that's not actually really addressed to the women. I, get, I, I, under, I understand the irony, but we're going to get there here in a second, okay? This passage is not about defining or redefining women's roles. In this time and this place, women were already subject. There was nothing that Paul could have written or done because it's the same thing when he talks about slaves and masters. He doesn't give us the ideal. He gives us how to live in the situation right now. But the men, he needs to do some correction. He's like, ladies, you're subject to your husbands. Be subject as to the Lord. Now, fellas, we have a few words. 115 words he devoted to the men of Ephesus. So when we look at these two kind of beginnings of the phrases of, of the, the roles here, the wives, this is almost entirely what Paul says to the wives. The men, this is just the beginning. So he really, this passage is a correction of husbands. It's really not about the wives in this case. 
It's about the husbands. And he says specifically, husbands, you have authority in this relationship because of the culture, because of society. You have authority here. And he says, you're going to exercise that authority. You're going to love your wife as Christ loves the church. So we have to ask ourselves the question, how did Christ love the church? Well, one of the uh, main passages that we see is from Philippians 2. Pastor Bill uh, preached, this, uh, preached on this text a few weeks ago, so it might sound familiar. But Philippians 2 says this, Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he existed in the form of God, that is, he was God, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped or held on to. But instead, he emptied himself taking the form of a slave, assuming human likeness, and being found in appearance as a human, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So from Paul's point of view, Jesus, because Paul wrote this, Jesus did not consider his authority or his equality with God something to be held on to tightly, but instead used his authority to submit himself and to serve the church. That's essentially what Paul says in Ephesians 5. If we went back 2,000 years and we sat in the Ephesian church as the pastor read Paul's letter to the church, it would have been an uproar. It would have been just as offensive to the men as hearing wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord is for us today. This Ephesians 5 text is offensive, but it's not offensive to women. It's offensive to men because the demand on those who have authority is to practice their authority like Jesus practiced it. If Jesus really is Lord of all, he holds all authority, then he gives authority. He gives it out to people. It's all his. He's risen. He's on the throne, and he gives out authority to us to practice it the way that he did. And men, both in our society and 2,000 years ago in the Roman society, we have privilege that we wear the pants of the family, right? And the way that we practice this authority is not by being an authoritarian. It's not by being the strongest one, but in fact, being the weakest one. Being the head of a household means that you serve and sacrifice for the good of your family. Now, I go through a, I marry lots of couples, and we do premarital counseling, and every time I do premarital counseling, we actually do a, a study on this passage in Ephesians. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, and husbands, love your wives. And the way that I describe it is this, that the husband being the head of the family and being the head of the wife means that they are the first and the greatest servant in the family. That means that the man is the first one to sacrifice his own desire and his own good for the good and the benefit of his family. It means that the husband has the distinct responsibility to submit to his wife and to serve her as Christ served the church. It means the man bears the greatest responsibility to sacrifice the most for the good of his family. That's what Ephesians 5 is saying. And now all the ladies are like, yeah. Right? That's good news to moms, right? That's good news to wives. Because men, we have the distinct authority as head of our households 
And if we are going to practice it like Christ, like Jesus demands of us, then we are the ones who sacrifice the most. We are the ones who serve the most. We are the ones who give the most up for the good of our family. And I actually just, an example, I, I'm not making this up. You can ask my wife. You can test this with her. There is I had this hilarious example that happened yesterday, just yesterday, of this exact thing playing out in my own life. You know, yesterday was a beautiful day. It was awesome outside. And so, of course, uh, I, I was here for men's, uh, men's life group, and then I did a little bit of work here, and I was heading home, and it was beautiful. I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be so good. I'm going to get some things done. We had a birthday party to go to in the afternoon, and I was like, I have a couple hours. I can get some things done. I want to mow the grass, and I can, I can maybe do a couple other things. And I was like, yeah, this is going to be really good. I can just, like, wear my headphones, listen to a podcast, and mow, mow the yard, right? I was feeling good about it. I roll up into my driveway, and I get out, and my wife says, hey, it's really nice outside. We're going to clean out the shed, and we're going to put the screens in the windows again. And while you're doing that, I'm going to go inside and clean up the kitchen. I was like, what happened? And I was like, I was going to mow the grass. And she goes, well, I really want the shed to be cleaned out. And I was like, and so I did, I'm a smart man, so I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to argue. I'm like, all right, okay. So I'm cleaning out the shed, but I, I'm cleaning out the shed with a bad attitude, right? I'm like throwing things around. I'm sweeping all like grumpy and stuff, right? Like, I'm like, I'm kind of mad, right? And I'm like playing the, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm going to tell her this and that and this other thing. As soon as I'm done here, this is going to, we're going we're gonna to have at it. I want to clear the air here. And I'm like doing my thing and throwing my hissy fit out in the shed. And of course, I've been studying this passage in Ephesians 5 all week. And I just am like, I'm like, God, are you kidding me? Are you, are you kidding me that right now I'm having to have this internal battle where I'm like, am I going to be the fraud that doesn't practice what I'm about to go preach tomorrow? And so I had to check myself, right? The scripture had to do its work. The word of God had to do its work in my own life. That you know what? It really wasn't that important to mow my yard yesterday. And even though that was my plan, it's really more important for my wife that I have the shed cleaned out for her. And so I was like, all right, I got to do this. Of course, we did still have a conversation. Hey, Sarah, this is how I was feeling. I'm sorry about that. I repent of it. Please forgive me for feeling these, this way about you. Like, you know, I really want to fix that. So anyway, so we had the conversation. But that's a very small example of what I'm talking about here, where I had an idea, and my wife had an idea, and I got to say, you know what? I wasn't very quick about it, but I got to say, you know what? This is important to my wife. I'm going to serve her. I'm going to be the one that sacrifices my expectation for her expectation. That's what that looks like. That's what it looks like to love your wife as Christ loved the church, to be subject to her and to submit to her in that way. And you know what this means, guys? I'm sorry. You're really going to, guys, you're getting it today. I'm sorry. But this means that you probably have to put away, like, hobbies and things that you enjoy because your family needs you a lot more than your video games need you. Your family needs you a lot more than your golf buddies need you. And your role, the expectation Jesus has on you is that you sacrifice your good for the good of your family. That's the biblical call to being a husband. Wives, they get this already. They get it already because we live in a society where women don't have a lot of privilege, although some of that's being deconstructed. But we live in a society where men have more privilege. Men kind of naturally wear the pants in the family. Men make more money. Usually their careers come first. 
We already, wives get the subject part. They get that. It's already happening. They're forced to do that because of our society. Men, though, we're the ones who have to be corrected here. So happy Mother's Day, moms. Now your pastor just told your husband to get stuff done. Ephesians chapter 5 ends with this in this uh, passage about, about husbands and wives. In verse 33, this is a little, little recap. Each of you, however, should love his wife as, his, as himself, and a wife should respect her husband. So I love this passage, because for me, this is a nice little way to end cap this conversation. Because really, when it comes down to it, love and respect are kind of the two primary ways that we can serve each other. Primarily, men can love their wives by self-sacrificing and giving up for their wives and for their families. Women, a great way for you to be subject to your husband and to love your husband is to respect him. Now, here's a little, here's a little truth that us men, including myself, we're fragile, okay? We're fragile, and we need respect. It damages a man's psychology to have a wife who does not respect him, who speaks bad about him. So one of the best ways that you can love and serve your husband is by thinking highly of your husband and talking highly of your husband. Because, you know, right now it's really popular and it's really like in fashion to complain about your spouse. It's like inevitable. If you get together on like a girl's night or at the, you know, around the water cooler at work, do we have water coolers at work anymore? Anyway, if you're like at work and you're like doing your thing, right, you're getting together, it's really just natural for us to start complaining about our spouse. Well, can you believe he said this? Can you believe she did that thing? I just don't get what she's doing. I don't know why she does that. It's easy for us to fall into that. But here we see love and respect. And a great way to do that is by talking well and holding up your spouse. And this is double for wives. Because your husband needs you to be proud of him, even if he won't admit it. He needs you to think highly of him, even if he won't admit it. So talk well of him. Compliment him. When you're with your friends and your family, speak well of him. Speak well of his accomplishments and his attitude of what he does. And men... Be respectable. Be the kind of man that your wife wants to brag about, okay? I think that's what this is getting at. But Paul continues on for the rest of the book of Ephesians to continue to talk about families, not just husbands and wives, but he talks about slaves and masters, so we can kind of equate that with like workers and bosses, but also children and also um, more extended family-type situations. And love and respect are probably the two best categories for us to think about how to treat our families well also. So as you think about your parents, maybe your parents are older and they're, you know, maybe there's memory slipping a little bit and it's really easy to feel negatively about them, to complain about them, but love and serve them because remember, they loved and served you for years and respect them. Think highly of them, talk highly of them. Same thing with our children. You know, our children are fully formed, whole people of God who bear the image of God and they deserve respect. And I think that we tend to talk to our kids like we talk to dogs. Come, sit, stay, and I'll give you a treat, right? We tend to talk to our kids like we talk to dogs. We don't respect them. But our children bear the image of God. We're called to love and respect them. 
to uplift them, to talk well of them, to give them encouragement and hope and joy, and to serve them. Love and respect. Love and respect. Same thing if you have siblings and cousins and nephews, anybody who's in your family. These are the two things we can do. This is the biblical Jesus pattern of dealing with our families, to love and to care and to sacrifice for them and to respect them. Hold them highly, regard them well, and speak well of them. And of course, husbands and wives, that means double for you. Husbands, double your love and self-sacrifice for your wife. Wives, double your respect and admiration for your husband. Because this is what Jesus is doing here. As Paul writes, he's writing about how Jesus has completely turned upside down what authority means, what it means to have, uh, to have power in a relationship. That marriages and families are not competitions. It's not a way for us to, to get one over on our spouse so that we can have the power in the relationship. The path of Jesus is a path of weakness, the path of vulnerability. And when a man and a woman commit to each other to do this, to walk the path of vulnerability, to walk the path of, of weakness, that's when you start seeing transformation. That's when you start seeing life. You see it begin to break through and move through. You begin to enjoy talking to your spouse and things change. Things change in your life. In every aspect, things start changing because you see the love and admiration you have for one another. You, can, you feel good about seeing your spouse, about enjoying time with your spouse, about spending, spending uh, uh, this, or struggling through things with your spouse, right? About spending time working through hard issues. You begin to enjoy that and find delight in each other. And the same goes with the rest of your family. You can enjoy your family, even through the hard things. This way of weakness and vulnerability, love and respect. This is the way of Jesus, and this is how Jesus is Lord of our family. Let's pray. Well, Father, I am so grateful.